greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. He's greatly to be praised. Come on now, open your mouth and give God some praise in this house. Come on, come on, pour out of your spirit. Pour out of your heart. Hallelujah. 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 Come on now, he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He's done so much for me. I just can't tell it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's delivered me. He's brought me out. He's healed my body. Hallelujah. Come on and give him the praise. Hallelujah. Come on and give him the glory. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. How many of you know that he's worthy? He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. Hallelujah. Whatever, however you praise him, I promise you he's more worthy than that. Whatever you give to God, I, I guarantee he's been better than that. Whatever you pour out to God, I, I guarantee he's poured out more to you. Hallelujah. David said, if I had 10,000 tongues, it would not be enough to give God the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that he has done for me. Hallelujah, but we have to be determined in our minds. Hallelujah, with what I do have, Lord, I'm going to give it all to you. I, I wish somebody would give it all to him this morning. What, what I do have, Lord, it may not be much. Hallelujah, it may not be much. It may not be sufficient. But Lord, it's all that I have. It's all that I have. And I'm going to give God my all. Hallelujah. I'm determined I'm going to give God my all. Hallelujah. I made up my mind I'm going to give God my all. Hallelujah. He's worthy of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of that, Lord, right now. Lord, you, you see our hearts. You see where we are right now, Lord. Lord, you see us even in the state of need that we are right now. Lord, touch us right now where we are, Lord. And Lord, forgive us when we don't give you the glory that you do. Forgive us when we don't praise you like we ought to, Lord. Forgive us when we don't consider you like we ought to, Lord. But Lord, help us where we are to be a better light, Lord. Help us where we are to be a better example, Lord. Help us, Lord, even though we're not worthy. Help us, Lord, to give you the glory and honor that you do because, Lord, you've done so much for us. And we're thankful and we're perpetually grateful for all of the things that you have done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise like that. Hallelujah. Come on and give God some praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I'm grateful to God on this morning for my life. I'm grateful to God for each of you. I'm grateful for what God is doing in your life. You may not have testified this morning, but I know he's done great things for you. Amen. I, you, somebody pointed somebody and said, you look so good. I know God's done something for you. 
if that's the truth, come on, put those hands together and give him some praise. I, I know that he's done something good for you. I know that he's brought you out of something. I know he's brought you through some things. I wish I had five people who testify right now that you were in a point this year, you didn't know how you were going to get out of that situation, but some way, somehow, God brought you. I wish I had some folks in here who give the out of Hallelujah. I didn't know how I would make it. I didn't know how I would get through. But some way, somehow, God brought me out. Some way, somehow, God brought me through. And I just want to give him the glory. Hallelujah. 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 I didn't, I didn't see my way out of that one. Couldn't see my way out of it. Couldn't see my way through. Didn't know how it was going to be resolved. But some way, somehow, God, he brought me over. And I just want to give him the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to give him the glory. I want to give him the honor. I want to give him the praise. Hallelujah. Lord, I don't understand how you did it. But I'm so glad you did it. I don't even know why you did it because I didn't deserve it. But Lord, I'm so glad that you did it. I don't know what miraculous power you exercised to bring me through that thing. But Lord, I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful that you brought me through anyway. Hallelujah. 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 Came to tell somebody right now, you're, you're literally praising your way through something. Huh. You're praising your way through a situation. You're praising your way through this trial because it takes faith to give thanks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your faith is getting you through, but it takes faith to give thanks. So when you praise God in the middle of it, your thankfulness, your praise is an indication that you have enough faith in God to believe that he's going to bring me through even when I don't see it. Your praise is an indication that I have enough faith in God that he's going to bring me out even though I don't see it right now, Lord. Hallelujah. My praise is just letting you know that I'm putting it in your hands. Hallelujah. My praise is just letting everybody know, devil, you're not getting the victory out of this because I'm not trying to do it by myself, but I'm putting it in God's hands. See, when I get a problem that's too big for me, that lets me know it's not for me. But that problem is for God. So if it's too big for me, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm going to stop crying about it because whatever it is, it belongs to God. I dare to point at somebody and say it belongs to God. It was too big for me. It's too big for me to handle. It's too much for me to worry about. So I'm not going to try and handle it by myself, but I'm going to turn it over to God. I dare you to turn it over. 
God with it and I know he's going to work it out. Somebody say that with me. Say, I know he's going to work it out. Come on, say it like you mean it. I know he's going to work it out. Hallelujah. I'm trusting God with it and I know he's going to work it out. We're getting to the word of the Lord real quickly. We're going there. If you'll follow me in the word to Proverbs, the third chapter, and we'll be looking at verses five through ten. Again, that's Proverbs, the third chapter. And we'll be looking at verses 5 through 10. And the word of the Lord in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 reads, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Heavenly Father, Lord, touch us in these few destiny moments. Allow our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to be open to your word. Allow your word Lord, to be our spiritual GPS, let it guide our feet and our hearts and our minds that we might be in line with your destiny and with your purpose. Lord, most of all, do not allow anyone to leave this encounter unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen, and be blessed. We're starting a new series for for the month of December. It's called The Season of Giving. And today, I want to specifically share our subtopic from that series this morning. I want to talk about a personal inventory check, a personal inventory check. And when you do inventory, basically, you're determining what you have. And the question I want you to be able to answer after this message is, what do I have to give? Personal inventory check. What do I have to give? When I begin to think of what we can give and how we ought to give and actually the spirit in which we should give, 
Reminds me of a story of a little church. A little church at the end of the 20th century was falling down. So the members of the church held regular prayer meetings in the hall after service to pray for funds to repair the church. There was an old man who was known to be tight with his money. He used to attend and sit in the very end of, end of the service, sit near the back of the hall, so that he could sneak out right before offering at the end of the prayer meeting. One Sunday, he, held up, he was held up on his way to the meeting and could only find a seat in the front of the church. While sitting there during the prayer meeting, a piece of the roof fell and hit him on the head. Feeling inspired of the Lord, he stood up and said, Lord, I'll give $1,000. And a voice at the back of the church was heard that said, hit him again, Lord. <laughs> hit him again. Some of us need God to hit us again. We've become stagnant in our giving, not just of our money, but of ourselves. Some of us, we give God only of our presence. Some of us are here today simply to be entertained. We didn't come to participate or give of ourselves. We came to watch. And one time I think about watching, it reminds me of another story. The story of a guy who came to church with his family and as they were driving home, he was complaining about everything that happened during the service. The music was too loud. The sermon was too long. The announcements were unclear. The building was hot and the people were unfriendly. He went on and on complaining about virtually everything. Finally, his observant son said, Dad, you've got to admit it wasn't a bad show for just a dollar. He was watching, and of course, during offering, he gave a dollar. That's how some of us are. We don't give of our best, and even when we come, we're not participatory. We're just watching. If we don't give God our best, we're, then we're not simply not honoring him. We're not honoring him. He said, he, he said, submit your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which, get this, is your reasonable service or worship. That is what is anticipated or expected of you. Listening to my daily devotion, interesting, on the, on the way here, I still listen to devotion on my way to service in the morning. And I, during my devotion this morning, hit Luke 17, 9, 10, and 11. You can find that in your, when you get a chance. And it talks about Jesus, and it says the servant who is told what to do, when they do what they're supposed to do, why do you even praise or thank them? They just did what they were told. And some of us, we are expecting high praise for doing what God already expected of us. And we think we expect him to celebrate us as if we've gone above and beyond when we've simply done the very thing that we're supposed to do. Reminds me of the comedian Chris Rock. He said, he said, I, he said I see a lot of people on social, men on social media saying, I, I pay my child support. I take care of my kids. He said, you're supposed to do that. <laughs> You don't get special congratulations or praise for doing stuff you're supposed to do. But many of us, that's how we are with God. We do the very limited basis of what we give to God, and we expect high praise because we're doing what we're supposed to do. I'm telling you, I'm challenging somebody today. You have more to give. Point at somebody and say, you have more to give. If we don't give God our best, then we're not honoring him, which reminds me of this story. And I'm going to come down your lane today. I want to make sure you get this. 
Reminds me of a story that there was a king who was coming to visit a certain land. And the people in that land were very poor, but they all had wine. And they thought the best way to honor this king is for each of us to find our very best wine, to pour it into a, a jug, and then present him with the very best of the wine. Every person was to bring a cup. And then when the king would test the best wine of the people from that city, then, they, then the king would be honored. Well, one person thought, if everyone else is giving their best wine, it's okay and it won't matter if I just pour in a little water. Because they're giving wine their best, and if I pour in a little water, nobody will even notice. When the king arrived and tasted the wine, he discovered that it was all water. The king was not honored. I know when, what, when I have prepared to give, Satan has often said to us, it doesn't take all of that. You shouldn't give your best. You ought to hold back a little bit for yourself. That, that you, it's okay not to give. It's okay not to give of yourself. Let me bring it home. There's a, there's a pandemic going on. God doesn't expect your best. He'll accept you giving a little bit of what you have, of your money, of your time, of yourselves. But if we only give water, then our king, our Lord and Savior, will not be honored. I'm telling you, tell us to us all, we all have more than we can give. Some of us think we're, we're honoring God just by showing up. We think we're honoring God with our presence. Think of your car, if your car had the same attitude towards you as you have towards God. Think of your car, it won't start. It won't run. It can't take you anywhere, but it wants credit for simply sitting in your garage. Some of us are not giving God anything but being present. We won't give him anything that gets this, get this, inconveniences us. If it's raining outside, surely God doesn't expect me to come to church. My favorite show is on, so why should I? I don't have to stream service right now. Why don't I watch my show? And then maybe I can stream service later. And if I don't stream that service, then I can just stream another service. Because God wouldn't want me to do anything that inconveniences me. I, I would give him my time today, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of football games on today. And I don't think God would want me to miss all of that. You know, God's, God, God wants me to enjoy my life. That's right. So, so why, why, why should I forfeit that to give God anything? Why should I give of myself anything that conveniences me? Get this, I'll serve God when I have time. And the truth of the matter is, when we say that, then we don't do it. I won't serve God at 10 a.m. I'll serve God at 12 noon. But then something comes up at noon. I'm not going to serve God at noon. I'll serve him at 3 p.m. But then we're eating. So I'm not going to serve God at 3 p.m. I'm going to serve God at 5. But I'm having my after meal nap. And then I wake up. It's late. It's too late to serve God. I might as well just go to sleep. Now, sometimes not literally, but philosophically, that's how we treat God in terms of offering him our service. And, if, and we ought to think, is my service and the way I serve Honor, truly honoring God. Am I giving him the best of my wine or am I simply giving him water? 
and, and wonder, is that supposed to honor God? It reminds me of Vince Lombardi said, I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle victorious. He's saying when he's given everything that he has, all his blood, sweat, and tears, and has laid down on the field of battle, then at that moment does he experience true glory. At that moment does he experience true victory because he recognizes that despite all of the circumstances, I've given every single drop of who I am. And that is exactly how we should serve God. So what does God want? He wants it all. I want to let you know, God, he wants it all. And he pours it out here in the text. He wants all of our heart. That's what the scripture says. He wants all your heart. Your heart is the source of your passion and your interest. Some of us, we're not pouring out of our passion and our interest because truly God is not our number one priority. What, 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 you re- what really is your priority are the things you spend time with. I, we spoke a sermon earlier in the year. We talked about and broke it down that each of you probably have, even if you work and when you're awake, you probably have about 65 hours every week where you're not working and where you're not, where you're not sleeping. And what are you doing with those 65 hours each week? And how much, what percentage of those hours are you giving to God? Because whatever you're giving that free time to, that's your priority. If it's television, if it's internet, if it's social media, whatever it is, whatever you're giving the bulk of your time to, that is your priority. So then if you can't say, I put God first in my life, if he's not first regarding your time, how can I say he's first? Because when I distribute my time, and I've told you before, I need you to get this. You need to spend your time like you spend your money. If I am truly, what am I investing in if you look at how I use my time? And is my investment in God? Many times we give God the time when we've done everything else and we can't think of anything else to do. And I got a couple minutes. Well, I'll give that to God. Because it doesn't inconvenience me. God doesn't want the time that doesn't inconvenience you because that doesn't make him a priority. You know, when he asks ask of, of your money, and we're not going to make this about money because when we talk about season of giving, there's so many more things that we can give beyond money. Money's part of it. But I want to spend 99% of our time on the other things that we need to give. But when he asks of, of the tithes, he says, I want the first of the first fruits. He's saying, before you slice that money up any other way, I I want that which is mine. We should do the same thing relative to our time and our attention and our energy. The very first of the first fruits in the morning when you wake up, when when you first breathe, when you breathe the oxygen and realize you're alive, you ought to give that to God. I, I don't care if it's 30 seconds or if it's five minutes. Give it to God. Wake up and say, Lord, I, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for just one more day. 
Lord, I, I thank you for, for having enough consideration of me to wake me up this morning. Lord, Lord, I thank you that there must be enough purpose left in my life that you allowed me to live. Lord, I thank you for breath in my body. Lord, I thank you for health. Lord, I thank you for strength. Lord, I thank you for being in the, even in the right mind to recognize that I ought to be giving you thanks and praise for being alive. The first of the first fruits of your time, the first of the first fruits of your energy, the first of the first fruits of your thinking. Some of you are geniuses out there. You have great minds. How many of you are using that for God's purpose? Many of you are very passionate, but are you using your passion for God? Many of you are salesmen. You're great at convincing people to do things. How many of you are using that to witness and to convince people they ought to come to God? Are you giving God the first of the first fruits of everything that is you? Because if you're not, if God is not first, then he is not your passion. And he is not your priority. That's why he said, I want all of your heart. I want it all. I must have it all. Deuteronomy 6 and 5, it says, I, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And with all that might, I want all your heart. I want all your strength. I want all your attention. I want you to apportion that to me first before you divide that out into everybody else. Oh, let me break it down to you. I remember the, the show called Everybody Hates Chris. On that show, the mother Rochelle always told them, they said, the children, now when we have chicken, she said, y'all eat the little pieces because your dad is the one who's providing for us. And because he's providing for us, he gets the big piece of chicken. So to break it down as it relates to you, God gets your big piece of chicken. That big part of you, it belongs to God. God deserves your big piece of chicken. You need to give it to him, whether it's your mind, your, your attention, your, your intellect, whatever it is that you have to offer your heart, God gets the big piece of chicken in my life. Because he's my priority, because he deserves it, because I owe that to him, because that's part of my reasonable service to him, which means I can't spend all my energy on my job and my kids and my friends and going out and, 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 and participating in my hobbies and then not have enough energy to give to God. Because God gets the big piece of chicken. Hashtag that. People are ask you what that means. He gets that. He gets the big portion. He gets the worthy portion. He gets the first portion. I'm going to spend my energy on God. Because you know what? I want to live every day like it's potentially my last day. And if it's my last day, brother, you better know, I hope I prayed that day. Come on with me. I hope I spent some time in God's word. I hope I spent some time giving God honor. So why shouldn't I live every day like it's my last day and give God what he is due every day? Somebody say every day. Give God that which he is due every day. He wants it all. He wants all of my heart, your heart, your passion, what you wake up with in the morning. It's, it's the reason also that he deserves your treasure because where your treasury is, Luke 12 and 34, there will your heart be also. 
will your heart be? So your treasure is your money and, and your time. I say your time is more important than your money because your money can be replenished. Your time cannot be. I'd rather you waste my money than waste my time. Because I can get my money back. I can't get my time back. Come on here with me now. Come on here with me now. If you need $20, that's fine. Just ask me quick. Because if you take a long time, not only did you take my money, you also took my time. Come on, y'all not going to talk to me here. And, and I, I'd rather depart with my money than my time because I can get my money back. I can't get my time back. You need $20, get to the point. You need 20 okay, here you go. Here's $20. God bless you. But don't give me a 30-minute story on why you need $20 because then you took my time. Well, y'all, don't, y'all don't like me being real in here. Because then you took my time and you took my money. And if you really need my money, take that, but don't also take my time because I can't get my time back. So if my time's so important, why not am I, I need to be sure that I'm giving my time to God. Not only all of your heart, but it also says he wants all of your mind. Lean not unto your own understanding. Stop trying to figure it out by yourself. When you try to do it by yourself, I already told you how it ends. There is a way that seems right in a man. The ends whereof are the ways of death. You're always going down the wrong path. That's what happens when you lean to your own understanding. You're like the hard-headed husband that doesn't know where he's going, but he doesn't want a map or GPS and he's not taking suggestions. So he passes the same tree 10 times and says, I know where I'm going. That's how it is when you lean to your own understanding. I can say that in all honesty because my wife will tell you there are many things that I store in my mind, but your directions are not one of them. When we're going somewhere, I trust her and I trust my GPS, and that's it. Because I, I, can, I can tell you the, the presidents, I can tell you the vice presidents, I can tell you legal, I can tell you some laws, I can re- quote scripture to you. There are many things I store in my mind, but directions to where we just went are not one of them. So she'll say, no, Larry, you need to make a left. And I trust her and I'll make that left. Because if I say, no, if I'm hard headed, then we'll pass that tree 10 times and we'll be lost for an hour. But when, that's what we do when we lean to our own understanding, when we don't trust God. We, we keep going in circles. We don't get anywhere. And we ask, sometimes we ask, then we ask God, have the nerve to ask God the question, Lord, why am I stuck in this storm? God, God would like to tell some of y'all it's because you insist on driving. Why don't you let me have it and trust me and then we won't be stuck in this same pattern. Some of us are stuck in the same place. Some of us are stuck in the same pattern. Some of us are stuck getting the same results and we're wondering why we're not getting different results. It's because we're the ones driving. We're leaning to our own understanding and we don't know where we're going. So we keep passing the same tree We keep passing the same storm. We keep falling into the same hole. We keep having the same bad habits. We keep suffering with the same trials. We keep falling into the same sins. We keep getting ourselves into the same situations. And then we have to ask and pray God to get us out of the same situation that we were in last year. Because we keep insisting on driving. We're leaning on our own understanding. And it keeps leading us into patterns that we can't get out of ourselves. Lean not into your own understanding. God, he wants all of your mind. And when you give God all of your mind, guess what? You get new results. Check that out. Imagine that. When I stop trying to drive and I let God drive, man, I see new stuff. I ain't seen this before. I didn't know I could get here. 
but you can't because you were driving yourself. I didn't know that I could experience this. I'm experiencing new success because I have relinquished the will to God. I am trusting him and he's taking me to places that I can't get to by myself. I don't know the way to the next level, but God does. So maybe I'm stuck on this level because I insist on driving. Maybe it's time to cede the wheel to God. And you know what? You know what often we do? Instead of giving God the wheel when we lost, we wait till we have a wreck. (laughs) Then when we wreck and tow like, oh, Lord, from whom all wisdom flows. Come take hold of my life, thou, oh, God. Don't wait till you get in an accident. Give him the directions now when you know you lost. He'll take you to new places. And the thing about it is, see, see God cheats, though. And the reason God cheats is because the word says he's able to make a way. Make a way of escape. He knows shortcuts that don't exist. I want you, I want you to just grasp that mentally. God knows shortcuts that don't exist because he doesn't create, it's not created until he makes that way. I, I, I can live all week with that. God can take me through things and show me ways that, that don't exist when I stop trying to drive myself and I give control over to him because I'm letting him have it. And many of us were control freaks. We we like to be in control. We like to know where we're going, when we're going. We need a whole map of, of where we're going and how we're going. Lord, I, I, I don't just need you to do it. I need you to show me how, how you're going to do it. I need to know who's involved in this situation because I, you know, I don't like to invite everybody. Come on now. I need to know what time it's going to happen, Lord, because, psh, I, you know, there's, there's a time, that I ha- time limit I have on my dreams and a time limit I have on, on what I desire to happen in my life. And because we have not relinquished control, God say, okay, you can have it then. God's not going to wrestle with you over control of your destiny. God's prepared it for you, but he's only going to take you through it when you give it over to him. You can't, some of y'all, some of y'all say, okay, God, drive, but you got your hand on the wheel right here. Like, hold on, hold on. It's like that, what is that, uh, driver's ed car has a set of an accelerator and brake on the other side, and you over there pressing the brake. You have not ceded control to God. He does not have your all. And therefore, since he does not have your all, he's just letting you drive. And you don't even realize he's not trying to drive. He's letting you drive because you have to give it over to him. You have to let him control it. I want you to put it this way. Can you imagine if you're in the front seat driving, but your child has a wheel and an accelerator and a brake over on their side too? (laughs) Some of you imagine the disaster that, that may happen if that were the case. But that's how it is when we're the child trying to tell God where to go. And he knows the way. But we have not given him control. And because we have not given him control, we experience chaos in our lives. Don't wait to hand the keys and the wheel over to God after you wreck. You're, let me tell you right now, 
every single one of you. You don't know where you're going. All of us, me, I don't know where I'm going. We're lost without him. We cannot find our way without him because, as I said, get this, God makes ways where there are no ways. He's taking us to a place that we'll never find because he hasn't created it, and he's only going to create it once we hand and see control fully over to him. He wants all your heart. He wants all your mind. He also wants all your ways. That means everything that you do. Colossians 3 and 23 says, Whatsoever you do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do, we ought to give it over to God. Even the things that we're thinking about doing, before we think about doing them, we ought to pray to God to give us direction into where we're thinking about knowing. Because our thinking is not good enough to get us to where God desires us to be. Not our own thinking. We have to trust him. We have, to be humi- hu- we have to show humility. We need not to try and be wise in our own eyes. But we need to respect and fear the Lord in everything that we do. Not only that, God wants all of our ways. He wants our consecration. He said, God, he said in the word is here, it says, depart from evil. God wants a consecrated vessel. Something that is holy and set apart and given fully over to him. And that's something that we have to do every day. We don't all of a sudden become clean. I'm clean. I'm ready. No. It's a daily cleansing. It's a daily fight. Paul said, I have to kill my flesh daily because I killed it today, but it's going to wake up tomorrow. Hello. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) Leading us, trying to, and it's the one trying to guide us off the road and lead us into doom and destruction. We have to continuously consecrate. Consecration is not a one-time thing, but it is a daily walk with God. It's a daily decision every day that I'm going to allow God to guide me. I'm going to allow God to guide me. And some of you all know, sometimes God puts people in your lives so you'll keep praying every day. And while I'm saying this, some of y'all are thinking of who that person is. There are some folks in your life and their job is to make sure you keep praying. (laughs) And you think they're your enemy. God allowed them there. Because he said, if I I let this person come out of their lives, they'll stop praying. And you thought the devil sent them. God sent them and allowed them as a reminder that you need to keep praying. Sometimes that person is your children. You know I'm right. Because sometimes it, it took you getting that child in your life to realize, Lord, I need to pray. I need you the every hour. Morning, noon, and night, Lord, I need thee. <laughs> but God allows certain things to happen in our life to remind us that we need to continuously be consecrated to him. We need to continually pray to him because this is another example of God allowing circumstances in our lives that cause us to stay close to him. Sometimes circumstances are like, uh, I'm not a big fan of these things. To me, they just look, they just look bad. But you know, the, the kids in the mall, they have like these uh, animal little things on around their shoulders and then you really look at it and it's a strap. And it's like, 
it's like a it's like a leash. <laughs> and the child and the parent is holding on to their child with a cute looking, it's really a leash. Sometimes our circumstances are God's leash to keep us close to Him. He allows certain trials because some of us are more hard headed than others. Because, you know, all kids don't need the leash, but there are certain kids, you see them for a while, you're like, yeah, I see why they got that leash. (laughs) And some of us, we're that child on that leash. And God's allowing circumstances to keep us close to him, to cause us to pray. Why? Because we have not fully surrendered our all to him. So he allows trials to be our leash trials to be, you know, at home, some of those kids, those same kids, probably when they go home, they got a little cage. It just looks cute and it's different colors, but it's really a cage so they don't get to certain other parts of the house. Come on now, you know I'm right. They, they take them from the leash to the cage so that they don't mess up the house. But, but, but some of us, that's how God has to treat us because we have not fully surrendered ourselves and our all to him. It's time to remove the leash It's time to allow yourself fully to be submitted to God. Now, when when we do these things, God promised us so many things from the word. He said, verse 6, he shall direct your path. He said, it should be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. God's saying, I will hold you up and support you with my hand. He's saying, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. What he's saying is, I will provide you these things once you've surrendered everything that is you over to me. Verse 10, it says, your barns will be filled with plenty here. Your presses shall burst with new wine. And what the Hebrew word for burst, burst there is, a, I like that. It's called, the Hebrew word is yiprosu, for burst, yiprosu. And what it means is there is a breaking. And what it is suggesting to us is that there are certain things right now that have a hold on us that God is going to break when we surrender him our own. There are things that, that, that there, sometimes it may be habits and, and sometimes it may be financial circumstances. Sometimes it may be relationships, things that have you in prison, things that have you bound, things that have you in bondage. But what he's saying here, he said, when I allow the burst, the breaking forth to happen, I'm going to break forth and, and break the bond of that thing that has you bound. So you no longer have to be bound by that anymore. The Bible says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith God has made you free and be not entangled with the yoke of bondage again. He says, I'm going to break the chain on that which is holding you when you completely surrender yourself to me. You have to let that go because the thing that you think you're holding on to is actually holding you. The thing that you, 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 you feel like you are managing, it's actually holding you back from the next level that God desires for you to go in your life because you won't let that thing go. You won't release that thing. You won't experience new things, and God can't show you more things. I'll tell you this story, and I'm finished. When I, It was several years ago. I'm a type of person that if I find something that works, 
I like to keep using it. And I had, at that time, this is old school, this is, pro- this is probably older than some of the people even in this audience. There was a cell phone, it was called a Motorola Q. And it was kind of like a Blackberry, but it had all of the physical buttons on there. The whole keyboard was on the phone. And I liked it so much that I kept it for several years. I had that phone, well, in, well for these, for these, for their, in, in their minds, I had it for too many years. And it came to the point where I'd had it for, for several years, and I came in, and I said, it's not working. I think it's broken. And they said, uh, sir, it's, it's time to get a new phone. <laughs> but I said, no, I, I, I want to keep the same phone. Can you just, you know, find me a, another one, Maybe find a used one and, and replace that? And they actually did that. They replaced it with, with a, what, what, I can't even think of the term they use for it now. But it was a used phone that was working. And, uh, yeah, somebody said it refurbished. They gave me a refurbished phone. So I got that, and I, I was still stuck on my buttons, and I saw all these people using these other phones, and they had screens and touch screens, and, and, and that was nice, but I, I just wasn't interested because I like my buttons. I like the physical feel of the buttons in my hand, and I'd gotten so accustomed to the phone that finally I took it back. It stopped working again, and this, at this point, I don't know. I've had the phone over four years, I think, and, uh, and the people said, we can't replace it anymore. We don't even have any refurbished phones to give you. The only thing we can do is give you the newest version of what this phone used to be. And the new version was a touchscreen. Didn't have any physical buttons. I was going to have to let go of my buttons. That was hard for me to do. And some of y'all laughing at me. Some of y'all still got phones with buttons on them. You're not wanting to let go because you got a little button on it and you like having that button. But, but I had to let it go. They gave me a phone with, with a touchscreen, and I, I was so, I guess part of it I recognized after they gave me the phone is that part of it was fear. I, I was so comfortable with the way this phone, I was using this phone, and I, I was so competent at how it was being used that I was afraid to venture out and try something with which I was unfamiliar And I had to trust that the phone was going to work and it was going to respond to my fingers even though it did not have a physical button. It did not have a button on the outside that I could see. And then as I began to appreciate how that relates to God, and of course God was blessing me because I got a brand new upgraded phone that I didn't even have to pay anything extra for simply because I held onto that old phone for so long that they couldn't replace it with the same thing. But when I released it, God gave me something that was better. He gave me something that was faster, that had more features, that had a bigger screen, and simply could do several things that my other phone could not do. I began to look at the features, and I began to appreciate, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is nice. And I was telling it to a coworker, and the coworker said, yeah, my phone's been doing that for several years. And I was behind because I was holding on to the familiar. And because I would not relinquish the familiar, I could not go to another level. And there is somebody in here, you're right there where I was. You're in a place that's familiar. You're you're used to navigating those places. You're used to navigating that that relationship. You're used to navigating that job. You're you're used to navigating that that set of friends you have right now. You're used to navigating and dealing with people on that level of education or, or wherever you might be. And because you're so familiar with that, you're unwilling to relinquish that because you don't want to be in unfamiliar territory. But I came to explain to somebody in here, God saying your blessing lies in the unfamiliar. 
your blessing is going to take you to unfamiliar territory. It's going to take you to a place where you don't know the way. And that's all that phone was to me. I knew my way around the phone. I, I'd read the manual. I'd had it for several years. I knew everything that it could do. And I was happy because the phone was limited and that limited, the limits that it had matched, get this, my understanding. My understanding was limited. So the phone didn't make me feel bad because it was limited. I was putting shackles on myself so I could feel good where I was. And some of you right now, you're putting shackles on your ability to go higher because you don't want to be in a place that makes you feel bad or unfamiliar. You don't want to deal with, 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 with friends that, get this, they might know a little bit more than you know. They might have a little more than you have. That's okay. God will never take me to a place where he won't provide for me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Why am I limiting myself with that which is familiar? Why? So I can be king where I am? Is that it? Do I want to be king and queen of the lily pad? When there's a great big world out there that God wants to take me to. I'd rather, it's like for those of you who play video games and, and, and to my younger group, you can get this. You want to stay on that one level because you've mastered that level. But then you know what? You, eventually you graduate from that level. And on the next level, you might know, not know the map. You might not know what you have to face. You might not know what you're going to encounter. You might not know the terrain. But part of the process of growing is going to a level that takes you to the unfamiliar. That takes you to a place where you don't know the way. And you have to have the dexterity of mind and the trust in God that God is not going to take me to a place where he will not lead and guide me and show me the way. I'm telling this to somebody because on the level you are right now, you think you know the way, but the level that God's taking you to, you're going to have to trust him a little bit more. You're going to have to let go of your buttons, point at somebody and say, let go of your buttons and trust God. I, I'm not going to have buttons on this level. I'm, I'm not going to know the terrain of this level, but God is taking me to a place that is unfamiliar to me. And sometimes I'm going to have to step out by faith and trust that God is taking and leading me to where he desires me to go. I'm telling you, your next level requires more faith. So that means I got to keep growing because the next level after that is going to require more faith and the next level after that is going to require more faith and the level after that is going to require me to trust God more. So instead of me being comfortable in the familiar Maybe I ought to pray to God and say, Lord, let me trust you more so you can take me to levels that I can't imagine. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I can't imagine how to navigate in the next dimension that God has for me. 
because his ways are above my ways and his thoughts are above my thoughts. But I'd rather step out into the unfamiliar than to be stuck where I am right now. God, I'm ready. Is somebody out there ready to leap? Lord, I'm ready to to leap. Lord, I'm ready to jump. I'm ready to step. I'm ready to walk out into something where I don't know the way because, Lord, you're taking me higher than I could have ever imagined. I'm going to see things that I've never seen before. I'm going to experience things that I've never experienced before. And I'm going to let go of my limitations and insecurities that cause me to be stuck on one level because I simply refuse to trust God more. I'm telling somebody, I'm challenging you, give yourself to God. Give every bit of yourself to him. And when you trust him, he's going to take you to another level you've never seen. He's going to take you to places you've never seen. He's going to take you to a level of experience that you never know existed. Because like I told you, God cheats. He makes ways when you give him the wheel. He makes shortcuts that don't exist. He takes you to hidden places that only God can take you. Somebody going to trust God today? I said, is somebody going to trust God? Stand, everyone standing to your feet. Put those hands together and give God some praise. I'm challenging you to come out of yourself and to give God more than you can imagine. I, I'm challenging you right now to come out of that place of familiarity and not give God the very least. Don't, don't, don't cause God, don't give God your leftover time. Don't give God the leftover pieces of you. Give God the big piece of chicken. Give him the big worthy portion of yourself. And when you do that, God will do things that you can never imagine. Trust God and he's going to blow your mind. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you today for your word that, that challenges us to give more of ourselves, Lord, to not just be spectators in our own lives, Lord, to not just trust Lord, that which we're seeing and that with which we're familiar, but Lord, to step out by faith and and know, Lord, that you can take us to places we can't go by ourselves, to to let go of the wheel and allow you to drive us and take us to and experience things that we could have never seen, that we could have never imagined, that we could have never thought of of ourselves, to release our, relinquish these insecurities we have that cause us to want to be in control but to trust a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And Lord, we're trusting and believing you right now to take us to the next level in our lives as we relinquish ourselves to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us by social media, we pray that you've been blessed by what you've heard. And we pray that you continue to live with great faith and expectation as God takes you to another level in your life. Be blessed. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. 
If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.